Welcome back to the Black TV Shows podcast. I am your host, Miriam Tomeskin, and Shani is back with me, and we're going to be talking about a different world. How are you? Hey, y'all. I'm good. Um, I have been doing some good stuff lately that um, that should be coming out soon, but other than that, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm excited to get into season two. I am because um, I mean I love the Cosby Show and I appreciate the Cosby Show, but a different world is kind of like what helped shape and um, what helped kind of mold, I guess, my personality, or it, it, at least it contributed to mm-hmm. it. A different world kind of feels like I'm watching my cousins on screen, or like I like I feel like I have this connection to them. I feel like I understand them. I've kind of walked in their shoes, especially like with Denise in, in college. I lived Denise's life, Den- Denise's <laughs> life. So yeah, I'm very much excited about this. Um, there are a few shows that I cannot be told about. A Different World is at the top of the list. I'm very much excited for this. <laughs> uh, so before we get into season two, uh, I've, I've been talking about season one and I'm basically trashing it. Um, <laughs> That's basically how I've been talking about it. It's just you know, not- season one isn't completely one to be praised um, because there were plenty of boring moments. There were plenty of moments that kind of had you feeling like, how did this show even survive? Mm-hmm. You know, because honestly, if I were to judge a different world off of the first season, I don't think I would have continued watching it. You know, season two is a pivotal moment for the show because it makes a completely different turn from, I mean, well, not completely different because the times are still what they are. It's still late eighties. Um, so things like the, the scope of the camera are still the same, but the storylines are becoming to be more meaningful. Mm-hmm. Se- season one just felt like scenarios were thrown together. And I guess being a college freshman, anything can happen. But some some of these direct some of the some of the directions of the storylines could have been done away with, in my opinion. Yeah, the one uh, episode, the one about the egg. I, Debbie Allen always talks about it and how it's like so <laughs> stupid of an episode. <laughs> and and I, yeah, and I'm like, and I'm like, I'm watching this, and I'm like. But like I, I remember in high school we've dealt with a situation where we took care of eggs, but that's high school. That was not college. Like yeah, it, it felt very high schoolish because I feel like by the time you're a freshman in college, you shouldn't be doing projects like this. Mm-hmm. And I take it that Maggie was a sophomore along with Denise and yeah. everyone else. So that's even worse to be. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, doing a project like this as a sophomore in college. Um, I too did the baby project in high school, but we had like an actual mechanical baby. The thing lied on me a few times. Um, <laughs> I, 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 that's a, a hell I'm willing to die on. Because I, I took care of that thing. When it cried, it didn't want to recognize that I was trying to help it. But yes, you are correct. That is a high school activity and it is specifically for the teaching of what it's like to be a parent. To Ann Beats, it made sense to do something like that um, because in college, pregnancy is also a thing that happens to be, you know, a thing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, many people drop out of school because of pregnancies or, you know, a, a pregnancy can impact the life of a college student. Yeah. Um, as of late, I'm seeing a lot of graduates who have pushed past um, the hardships of pregnancy and have continued to move on. There are graduates who are pregnant. There are um, people who have recently graduated, who have recently given birth. You know, so there are people who are proving that a pregnancy don't stop no show, and I'm here for it. Yeah, like I said, like I guess in Ambeet's mind, it made sense to do that for a whole bunch of grown adults. But I've watched an interview kind of like on a where are they now type of situation. And Dawn Lewis, who plays Jaleesa, she said that when Ann Beats was a part of the team, it kind of felt like she was trying to make the show a version of the show that she did before called Square Pegs. I've tried watching an episode of Square Pegs on YouTube. I How can't get with it. Oh, it's not Weird. good. It's I've never weird. seen it. I've never seen it, so I wouldn't know. Uh, it's it's almost like, I don't know, if one of these famous old white sitcoms and, ooh, what is that show I had in my head? The Beverly Hillbillies. If, if Beverly Hillbillies in the 80s had a baby. It's really weird. And I, I don't know if, like, if my mind is just not open enough for that type of television, but it was it was comedy for them, and I was just, <laughs> did you know did you know that uh Ann Beats um wanted uh Claudette who, who ends up playing Peggy during season one to be um uh Whitley Gil- Gilbert did you know that I did not know that yeah and <laughs> and so so they she made both of them audition and it just happened to be that all her producer partner said no we want Jasmine guy so Band of that is interesting yeah because first of all she would have been a great Whitley <laughs> oh was she I don't know she seems different think, if I you saw think that she would have huh like seeing her as Peggy she was like so different like you know I don't know how she would have I, I don't know I haven't seen a uh, square peg so I wouldn't know but <laughs> um so I feel so, so that I've seen I've seen the episodes that Peggy was a part of oh, okay and just given the personality that Peggy has, I think that, sh- that she would have played a good Whitley. I cannot say for sure whether she would have um, put some stank on it like Jasmine did. Yeah. Because it, Whitley wasn't always that kind of snappy. Yeah. You know, like, we didn't see that, that kind of snap from Whitley until, like, maybe season three. Mm-hmm. Um, because by the time they opened up um Height Hall, she had it. Um and and by the time when when it got to the part where she was like living with Jaleesa and she was preparing to graduate, she had the attitude down. Mm-hmm. But she wasn't all always like that. She was just really annoying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was I mean, she's always had the Southern drawl and it was always, oh, Denise. Now she was shady. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so it, w- it was an episode where 
She basically said that that Denise gained a lot of weight over the summer. Yeah, she is shady. Yeah, she was always shady, but she wasn't always quick, quick with it. Mm-hmm. And and that's the turn that that we see. So I'm not sure if Claude would have had that aspect of Whitley. That might have been the main difference between them, because I just don't see her having it. Mm-hmm. But I also don't want to knock a person's abilities. Just because we haven't seen it doesn't mean that they aren't there. Yeah. Um, and speaking of the transition of uh, behind the scenes, so Ann Beats has left and Debbie Allen has come in as uh-huh. uh, the producer. So the for people that don't know how she got involved, uh, basically Felicia Rashad came to um, see uh, an episode of season one. We've already talked about that specific episode. It was the episode where um, she comes and talks to Denise about uh, like about her getting a job but Denise, uh-huh. wants to go, Denise wants to go to Greece. So that's the episode that Felicia Rashad came uh, to a different world. And she saw that she didn't like what was going on behind the scenes. And also in, in terms of on in, in front of the seat, like in front of the camera, also the storylines were not great. So she went back to New York to talk to Bill Cosby and be like, you know, your name is on this show um, and it doesn't look good. And so then uh, he decided, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to hire your sister. And at this point, you know, Debbie Allen, you know, she, she was known for fame. Like she, like she was the director and choreographer on fame. She also did directing for family ties. Apparently I didn't know that. I've never seen the show, but. I did uh, not. Wait a minute. What? She did family ties? Yeah. She did some episodes directing. Oh my, I have to look at it in the credits now. Um, wow. I enjoy family ties. Um, you can find it on Paramount Plus. Oh, sure. it's on Paramount. Okay. Yeah, because I was re- I was reliving some good moments <laughs> <laughs> when I was watching it on Paramount. Yeah. Um, wow, but Debbie Allen. Wow, I can actually kind of see that because they're um, Family Ties was kind of the same way. It was dry. Um, had some interesting moments. Had some interesting topics, um, but. It was just, after a while, it just seemed to kind of, like, be dead. Mm-hmm. And then when Elise, the mom, got pregnant, then everything picked up again. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah. Go ahead, Debbie Allen. You better so, work. So she she's had, like, a lot of directing and producing. Well, I don't know about producing, but, of course, you know, fame, she was very involved with fame, right? So right. Um, at this point, you know, he decided, I'm going to hire Debbie Allen. And originally, her thought was, I'm going to come clean up. She, she the, he, he kind of calls her trash, like saying you like clean up the trash, like, like yes. dust, your, dust your broom, uh, basically. But anyways, um, yeah. So originally she thought she was just gonna be a producer. Like she might do a, a few directing episodes, but not like be the main director. And right. it was actually Bill Cosby that wanted her to be, direct every episode of um season two and I think season three she said that she's she did every episode and then after that they had other directors come in but originally her plan was just to produce it and like clean it up and that's it um and uh you know she she did an amazing job you know she uh she has experience from going to Howard University so she knows what it's like to go to an HBCU um she, she was talking about how season one just was like just it looked like it's just a normal college life like you know how the Cosby show is a they they say the Cosby show is a show about a family 
not necessarily about a black family they it's like because they take out the race they take out like things yeah. like, that make them black right so um so she was saying how the first season was it was about a college kids going to a college not an hbcu not right, right. Okay. and now now season two is a show that's about an hbcu like so um that's what her c- contributions to season two was and i guess um until season six is making sure I'm that thankful for it I'm yeah thankful for it because it's it's helped mold and shape so many lives and it's helped so it's helped influence so many people from for every aspect of college from mm-hmm. from wanting to attend an hbcu to actually doing well to actually going through certain situations that we might have seen and to like some some of the majors that people majored in the the type of involvement that they had like a different world was a a very big influence in so many people's lives I just really hate that I was a baby when it went (laughs) on same I I I I really I say a lot like I'm thankful to be a 90s baby and a 90s kid but to have been at least a teenager in the 90s would have it would have been so rewarding mm-hmm. to be able to to just uh to have so i i can only imagine if plenty of walls could talk i'd be in trouble <laughs> <laughs> if i was a teenager in the 90s but i'm still able to say that i watched michael jordan put up some hoops live so mm-hmm. we have we have that bit of history that we lived through but yeah um thank you debbie allen for turning that thing around because i cannot imagine how much hope a different world would have had or not had um had you not done that so before we get into the show and the you know the theme song and all that since we're saying great things about debbie allen there is one person that uh does not like debbie allen it seems like um and it happens to be the writer uh, for this episode in particular, um, his name is, uh, I don't know if I'm saying that right, Thad Munford? Is that my saying his name right? I think his name is Thad Munford because yeah. I, I feel like they've used, cause I know they've used like plenty of, of the directors and producers as um, the name of characters that might be extras or mm-hmm. just uh, like, you know, like the Maxine Kirkwoods and the Lana Hermans type of situation. So I think his name is Thad. Yeah, so he was the writer for this episode that we're talking about today, but uh, he doesn't say much great things. So let's just listen up to him. Yes. And you were there during a period of change where the lead character got pregnant and yep. didn't come back. So knocked how- up and knocked out. <laughs> so how do you deal with show that has such a significant change. We were thrilled. We wanted to go out and get whoever knocked her up here. Here's a million dollars. Thank you. Um, the show was terrible. I'm sorry. She, she just was no good. She was not. I mean, the, there are conspiracy theories uh, abounding that she got her show because Bill kicked her off his own show. She smoked marijuana like it was going out of style. Uh, she reeked of patchouli. I mean, you knew she was coming. You know, here comes the patchouli train. And there she and ahead of her getting pregnant, which, which is completely irresponsible, 
we had, we would do what were called crossover shows, where uh, there'd be a cosmic character that would come to visit this black college called Human. Theo, uh, of course, you know, we're scouting colleges, Theo, and uh, and Felicia, uh, who played Claire Huxtable, would come down and check on her baby. The day we read that script, the morning we read it, Lisa at least was there, but she had her head on the, on the table, the script's here, and she, she's like this, like nodding off. So Felicia calls Bill, you know, tells Bill, this child is crazy. This child is losing her mind. Um, and then she gets pregnant. Maybe Bill did it, I don't know. Um, <laughs> anything to get off my show, anything. Um, but, um, well, yeah, I mean, again, our show didn't have the critical acclaim of the Cosby Show, and we didn't deserve it. Um, we were hemmed in, I was hemmed in, I used to talk about producing styles. I learned a lot from a writer named John Marcus, who was the head writer of The Cosby Show. I did an episode for them the season before, um, but I remember watching John, um, taking notes, giving notes, uh, being solicitous when necessary, but making a decision. But, but, and also for my friend Elliot Shulman, who I mentioned previously from Maud. Elliot was the original Cosby head writer after Earl Pomerantz left. And Elliot just said to me, you know, Listen to people, but you know, make sure uh, in the end that they know that you're the boss. Uh, listen and, and give notes confidently, even if you're faking it. Just you know, make sure that you sound confident because they're looking to you. They're looking to you to make a decision. So um, the only encumbrance, I mean, the only thing that made the, the experience less than joyful was our director, Debbie Allen who came, who was the sister of Felicia uh, Rashad, uh, stepsister, half-sister, whatever. And Debbie Allen uh, was not a good director. She did not understand direction. I mean, she actually said to me once, but, well, you know, I said, Debbie, this shot of Whitley Gilbert's, you know, taking a rising shot from her feet up to her legs and her crotch. Honey, I want that. It's, 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 it's no reason for it. And, and it's like the directing is showing off. Honey, I want the director to show off. Honey, I do. And so exact quotes. A good director realizes that you know you don't notice it. But she and she, and it was a war between us. I mean, absolute war, um, who, for control. And I mean, Bill wants on himself. And after four, four or five episodes, one of the air. And she would let these kids, you know, not speak English, uh, close to robotics at the times. I just, and he built a couple of Saturday and he said to me, uh, I don't believe anybody here is going to go to grad school. Looks like the darkies are gay. And so I said, talk to Debbie. Talk to her. She's your buddy. Talk to her. I'll talk to her. I'll talk to her. So Monday, I'm going to talk to her. Now I can do a show with people who speak English. And he talked to her. And after about know, 10 minutes, they're probably talking about show business or Norm Nixon's career. Bill didn't give a uh, shit. It was his wife, Camille. That was really, she was the champion about black colleges. Bill didn't give a flying, you know what. Yeah. So, but there were shows I was proud of. Um, there were, so we did some adult themes, and we had some moments between certain, certain characters, uh, Whitley Gilbert, who played the character like a sketch character. It's, oh, I'm from the South, I'm from the... But there are moments, and there are certain episodes not directed by Debbie. Uh, a couple of directors who had done Cosby episodes, whose names escape me right now, unfortunately. A uh, stage director named Nima Barnett, 
the shows that Debbie didn't do were the best shows. Crazy, huh? <laughs> wow, I am astonished. Um, woo! <laughs> it sounded like there was plenty of trouble in paradise. Um, now I have seen some interviews from back in the day that Lisa was a part of, and that girl was high as giraffe nuts. <laughs> um there's one in particular oh i think it was with abc and they were asking about her experience being the only person to be on the cosby show in a different world and being somebody major and i don't remember what her response was but there was a time where she had shades on and she was conduct conducting this interview. And even when her shades were off, I don't want to say that her eyes were red or anything, but you could just tell. Um, do you know the artist, her? Yes. So you know how she's always, well, I call her by her name because girl, we know who you are. So you know how Gabby always walking around with glasses on? <laughs> yeah, well, she was originally trying to hide her face. Like she didn't want people to see her face. Now, see, what I was told about that was that um, she did that because people didn't recognize who she was prior to her putting these shades on. It was almost like a, oh, well, y'all going to overlook me? Okay, I'm going to wear shades, and then y'all going to want to know who I am. That That's just how, what I was told, if if I'm wrong, sorry, Gabby. Yeah, she, she was kind of looking like her, literal her. And, um, and I was just, I remember just kind of feeling uneasy, like, What's wrong with her? What, what's going on? And then you find out that, you know, she's pregnant and now she's not on the show or she was taking a break. But also you see the difference between Denise before the pregnancy and Denise after the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Almost like, like they told her, girl, you better get it together before you not be on the show no more. Yeah. And she kind of just has a different look. I mean, we, we've seen an, an entire evolution with Denise through braces, through haircuts, through locks, um, through, I don't think she's ever, no, she's never really colored her hair, but no. she always had it in, in some different style. Yeah. Um, and we just see, we see changes of, in behavior. We see changes in the way that Denise thinks um and some of these thoughts some people will feel like well the child has finally woke up we i guess we see a lot of changes in not only denise but lisa herself so i i kind of feel sad on that about how stoned she was i just would like to know what she was going through because you you not enough at a table reading girl what's going on yeah um but the hatred that he had like in his voice yeah my lord um and like this this interview is like way after like a different world ended like this is like probably 15 years later and i'm like and he yeah. still has this like he's been having this on his heart i can tell like yeah. <laughs> he's been waiting to say something to somebody on camera yeah he's, I, I can only imagine that he's told anybody with ears that will listen about this entire experience but he's been waiting 
to sit in front of somebody's professional camera and say what he got to say. Like I could tell. Mm-hmm. And and y'all y'all didn't see the video. We we watched the video of of the audio that y'all just heard, but this man was sweating. Mm-hmm. I I by the way for those that want to actually see this I will tag it in the the show notes for the episode so that at least you could actually see it but yeah it's just crazy it's sweating and this is a, a mostly bald-headed man <laughs> by the that, way he, that he, man's head and face is shiny by the way he has passed away he passed away in 2018 um, uh, oh, but, yeah but um yeah it's just like but it's just that hatred is like I it's don't real. understand. And like he and I, I think because I watched the full interview, I believe he also said that like the show just was not good even going forward after it. Like only the episodes that were not directed by Debbie Allen were the greatest ones. And I'm like, that's kind of like why are you? That's mean. Sure, like, yeah. That's mean, especially since like uh there were so many episodes that touched the lives of other people. And and when they began to start creating episodes that reflected the issues of the society or or just the important ones like the domestic violence issue um the way that they went about the black history issues the way they went about or colorism um, yeah the color yeah different uh, shades yeah especially that yeah you know things that they were so in your face about and things that that they uh, helped combat. I mean, the Josie episode, like, we, she, she stood beside, even if she wasn't directing, she was producing. She was on that set. Yeah. She was present for that. She still played a part mm-hmm. in, in how the episode flowed. Like, nothing was going to get past her. Yeah. So... It's a little unfair. I mean, I just really wish that you would have just said you didn't like Debbie Allen. They kept it moving. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, um, that, that's still a little mean and still a little unfair. But also in retrospect, um, or if, if I'm even using that correctly, um, Debbie Allen had other people producing, directing, or writing to give them a shot. Yeah. And to give them experience, if you if you uh, continue to watch a different world, you will see that there's an episode that Kadeem produced. There's an episode. Oh, he directed. He directed an episode. And directed. Glenn, and Glenn Turman also directed some episodes. Yes, exactly. You got Dwayne. You got uh, uh, Colonel Taylor. Him Doctor, thank you. I'm about to call him Doctor War. Well, that's <laughs> his name on this episode. <laughs> you got Dwayne. You got Colonel Taylor. Even Whitley did something oh, yeah, and, I, she, and I, she directed i think also yeah and i want to say that freddie did something oh i don't know about her but i know for sure I, really. I could be wrong about freddie yeah. but she gave opportunities and voices to her cast mm-hmm. people who were already in the field because what other opportunity would they have to do this yeah even with the other credits that they have, they were acting credits. They were not going to be having a directing credit with Spike Lee. Yeah. Um, and also, um, Debbie uh, mentioned that the first thing she wanted to do when she took over was 
um, get the actors and the writers to talk to each other because apparently in season one, they did not talk to each other. So they, they were just forced to act whatever was on the script, but now they, the actors can say what their opinions about their character would be like, I don't think they want to, uh, my character would say this or do this. Can we change this up? So that was one of the first things she did. And I think that probably made a big difference to the, the show. Yeah. I think that actually becomes a common factor with TV shows. Um, Cause even TV shows like the Jeffersons and good times. I've, I've seen interviews and different shows about about those types of shows where they mention that somebody has had to come to the director or to the writer and say, hey, black people don't talk like that. Mm-hmm. In particular, I've heard for the Jeffersons, Marla Gibbs, for her role as Florence, they wanted Florence to be really docile and yes, sir, no ma'am. Um, I have to get into it basically. And she's like, no, the, this ain't that. And I think they were like, okay, well, how how do you feel like it should be said? And then she was like, this is how we're going to say it. This is how we're going to do it. And they roll with that. And this is why we know and love Florence the way that we do. Mm-hmm. Also with Good Times, Esther Rowe, she was that person who spoke up. And, if, and for people who don't know, Esther Rowe is the one who played Florida Evans. and. She was an advocate for Bernadette Stannis, a.k.a. Thelma, because Thelma didn't really have a lot of lines at the beginning of the show. She even said a few times, like, I want more lines. I, I want to study more lines. I want to speak more lines. Like, I don't want to just be hanging out in the background. And Esther Rowe was like, leave it to me. I got you. And then even the, the way that they had all of them talking, honestly, Esther Rowe was like, this is not an authentic Black family. This is not a black family who is who who is living in the projects of Chicago. This is not how we talk. This is not how we act. This is a complete no, and we need to do some changes. And that's eventually what happened, and it grew to be the show that we know and love today. A lot of positive. I'm I'm not going to say that you know Debbie Allen was completely perfect. I'm sure that there's plenty of moments in the show that other people probably would have handled differently. Um, because I mean, I've even said it for myself. Some of these storylines, I'm like, why did y'all do it that way? Why is it like this? Why is it like that? Um, and I found myself coming up with with various solutions, like the like the adoption uh, episode and the way Freddie was uh, connected with Alex, like the way that they tried to to hide him within two apartments. Like, girl, what? <laughs> how you how you gonna do that? The boy can either go to, to Dwayne and Ron's or he can go to Jaleesa's. And mm-hmm. Walter has been through both of these apartments. What did you think you were going to do? Keep this boy on, on the fire escape and call him one? Like, mm-hmm. no. Um, so, it's but it's little things like that. And then you kind of literally have to just watch episode by episode and just break down to, oh, I would have done it this way. I would have done it that way. Um, so I'm not going to say that every time in the writer's room was a perfect time. And I'm not going to say that there are not some things that probably uh, did not still need any edits or any any changes of the story, but it still goes down (laughs) (laughs) in the writer's room and they still put out what was put out and what was put out was still good. Mm -hmm. So yeah, big ups to 
everybody who was a part of that team. Yeah. And like you mentioning, like the people behind the scenes, you know, um, I believe uh, I forgot her name. I think it's her name's Gina Price. Gina Price, by the way. Yeah. She ends up doing love and basketball. Um, Yvette's, uh, what's her name from Liv- the one that created Living Single? I believe she Yvette was Lee Bowser. Yeah. She, she was, I believe, a writer on a different world um yes yeah so she and she ended up creating living single um i'm i'm blanking on other people that have been on the show that has created things gina's husband uh gina and her husband both worked on a different world i wanted to say that they possibly met while working on a different world probably his name is uh reggie rock by the wood um who else was a part of the director i'm trying to think of some names that i remember oh uh what is her name trey buyer um who plays the the more permanent Monica? No, not more permanent. The first <laughs> Monica. Um, the first Monica. She wrote um, "Love Don't Cost a Thing." Oh, okay. Um, and eventually, we we get to see more people who have come up in the acting industry because mm-hmm. um, there are people that that we may see in the background where it's like, oh, that's the girl who did that other movie, or oh, that's dude from, you know, or, or like when you have that moment where you're blanking out and like, you got like a pop in your hand or something and you were, you're mid-sip and you, mm, oh, that, that's, what's his name? Yeah. You know, uh, so it's plenty of that going on. Um, but a lot of people have started their careers off of shows like The Cosby Show, A Different World, yeah. especially especially people who were extras in the background. Mm-hmm. you know they were able to say that they did that yeah. um so he that was a little harsh but <laughs> yes for him to say that but whatever out of the bag came some good still regardless. yeah and he wrote as i said he wrote the episode this first episode of season two and before we get into season two we're gonna because it's a new season it means we have a new theme song because that's how things go. So we're just going to take a listen and then we'll talk about it afterwards. Okay. That is uh, the the season two theme song. Of course, that's good. Actually, why I said season two? It's season two, three, four, and five theme song. They yes. did not. <laughs> they did not change it. You know, they the you know the original plan was to change it every season, and then they were like, "No, we're good with this." <laughs> Man, and 
part of me sometimes wishes that they did because while I love Aretha, rest in peace, I just feel like they could have benefited from another version because um, the boys to men version, it is, it is very refreshing because there's a new sound. Yeah. And it is indicative of a new era. It's, it's so 90s. Right. Exactly. So 90s. Yeah. And it's, but it's also a, a breath of fresh air because you're not hearing Aretha. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one thing that, that kept the Cosby show interesting was there was a new version of the intro every time. Um, but Aretha is also a breath of fresh air from Vanessa, whatever her name is. I can't think of her name, but I just know that like the person who originally sang the song, I want to say her name is Vanessa somebody. Which theme song? The the season one, A Different World. Who sang it? Uh, Phoebe Snow. That's her name. Oh, that's... It's, it's a, yeah, it's a white lady. <laughs> oh, okay. So I was on the Hillman Files and they, it, they, she, it's a, it's a woman that run that. Yeah. She had, she posted up a post and was saying that the version before Aretha was sang by a black woman. No, it was written by Don Lewis, which is a black woman who plays uh, Jaleesa. Girl, I didn't know that Don had wrote the theme song. She was actually originally supposed to sing it um, in the first season. And then uh, they were like, no, you know, this is this is Lisa's show. It's not uh, Don Lewis show. So we don't want her to be singing the theme song and uh acting which is weird because if you think about it on grownish if anyone actually watches grownish i do but um on grownish uh chloe, chloe and, Haley and, Haley. and Haley, they sing the theme song but they're not the lead of the show so yeah, it's weird that, song yeah so it's very weird that they that's what their thought was in a in a different world why they wouldn't let her and then i think they were going to get her to sing season two and then they were like no let's get aretha so <laughs> I was like, good lord okay yeah. so Okay, well, that just changes the kind of the trajectory of what I was going to say. Because I was about to say that that song, that song sounded like a very country song. It's cute for a while, but after a while, like, I got to skip the intro because, please. <laughs> um, uh, like, I, like it's, it's cute only because of the type of sound that it gives. And I guess it helps because they're in Virginia mm-hmm. and not running the streets of New York. Um, so you can here's a chance to make it mm-hmm. if a focus on her goes. But like, but but that it's based on that singer though, because if you hear Aretha, it's not country. <laughs> it's like a whole different tone, right? And so Aretha is very much a, a breath of fresh air. And then we also see a better title sequence. Oh yes, this um, one's way better for season two because at first it it's more like. Oh my god! It kind of gives like a very slow version of Saved by the Bell. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> Saved by the Bell was way different. <laughs> I, I'm really trying to find a way, find something that can compare. Um, or okay, maybe not Saved by the Bell, but like some high school show. Maybe, uh-huh. I don't know. Maybe Dawson's Creek, uh, Beverly Hills. I don't know. <laughs> but like, if you see in the title sequence, everything is all playful, playful, yay, cute. Um, I do not get the feel of of college students mm-hmm. in the title sequence. I don't I, like. It feels like 
this is following the life of some neighborhood kids <laughs> who, who link up every day. But what I see is that, okay, so when we start, it, we see Whitley right, or Jasmine, and she's getting ready for school. You could tell in the first sequence. And then afterwards, um, you know, you, I think it was Jaleesa, I believe. You see her, you no, know. No, because Whitley's not in the title sequence. Yeah, she is. In the first one? What are you talking about? Is yeah. she in the extended one? The one that we just saw. Wait, let me, let me, let me just look at this. Okay, okay, okay. So I get what you're talking about now. I'm sorry. So <laughs> I was like, oh, you talking oh, about season oh, one. Oh, you're talking about season one. Sorry, I'm talking about season two. Okay, so you're seeing season one, it like it doesn't feel like uh right. Oh, okay, sorry. sorry. Of, of of college kids that make, okay, that makes class. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I get the feel of high school students yeah. who hang out every day. We got Lisa jumping double dutch and heels to show the kids she still got it. Yeah. Um we got Denise talking on the payphone for God knows what reason, girl. You already ain't got no money, so how are you talking on the payphone outside yeah. of the dorm? Um, we got Maggie knocking over bikes who look like she just, you know, tags people's buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, Dwayne somehow ends up in the back of somebody's pickup truck, mm-hmm. and he's playing Ray Charles, and then they pop out of the piano. And then who is this dog that we never see? Oh, there was a dog. I didn't even pay attention. Yeah, they one of them uh, at the end of it all when he when he's playing this piano or whatever, and they pop up. One of them is holding a leash, and I want to say it's Jaleesa. Oh my god, they're holding a leash, and it's a black and white spotted dog. We never see the dog outside of the title sequence. All we see are the people who are in the title sequence. And again, who's who's whose truck are you in? Yeah. Why are y'all running around what looks like the streets? Like this, I don't see any part of a college campus. Like none of this <laughs> goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So we see that, and then we see a title sequence that is more fitting. So we we see Whitley getting dressed, looking very Whitley-ish. Um, and then we transition to who comes after her Jaleesa yeah and she's like trying to steady basically well like first of all the first thing we see is the title this is a different world and then a bunch of kids with the books like this studying Uh uh-huh and then and then you start off with uh uh, Whitley is dressing up um and there's a bunch of other girls with hair rollers in the background uh randomly yeah and that's the the, girls in the dorm that they gotta share the bathroom with the uh, all the people that are in the background for each like each sequence of the thing are the same people. I don't know if you noticed. Yes. They they don't change people, which is great. <laughs> like, yes, because one of those people is the is uh, the dude who plays Quincy Lee Tollison. Yes, who is Debbie Allen and Felicia Rashad's little brother? Is he? He is. Oh my god. <laughs> uh huh. Yes, he is their little brother. And now I don't know. Now Debbie Allen posted a picture not too long ago on Instagram. Um, of a brother. So Dr. King came over to their house one time. And so there's a picture of Dr. King holding one of her brothers. I do not know if it is him or if it's another brother. Yeah, they have two brothers. Yeah, so so I don't... Actually, you know what? No, it's not Quincy. It's the other brother. Oh, okay. Dang, my bad. But yes, Quincy is still all up and through a different world well before we see him. Mm. Um, 
he's the frat guy that is closest to the camera dancing with uh with Kim. And uh and but so like so guys, if you pay closer attention to season two through four or two through five, um, then if you see the bigger guy with the glasses, that's him. Um also the girl who has the curlier hair and she kind of like turns Dwayne's face towards her. Yeah. Um, I want to say the helmet files debunked who she is because I feel she? like I've seen her Instagram. I can't. Oh, oh, was she, she was... in that music a music video with someone? Is that what it was? I think she was. Because I was, I think I was thinking, was it with Michael Jackson? But I don't know what song though. Yes, it's... I want. Yes, I don't she know. Was the girl from? I think she was from the way you make me feel. So that yep. she's a, she was in Michael Jackson's video. Mm-hmm. She was in that real skimpy skirt, and and he was the one who was like, "Hey!" <laughs> <laughs> and then start singing the whole song to her. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, no, was that a white girl? That girl was a vi- she was a video girl, and yeah, people knew her. Um, so we're just gonna leave it at that. But but like. I want to say majority of the people who were in the background, I know they were extras on the show. Mm -hmm. And, um, but they've also gone on to have, you know, lucrative careers. Yeah. And um, so, yeah. So speaking of the theme song, so from, uh, from Whitley's um, uh, room, basically to now uh, Jaleesa's, we see a marching band behind. So we, that's one sign that we know this is HBCU. Um, uh-huh. and, uh, Jaleesa is just sitting there studying, you know, freaking out basically. Um, and then eventually just throws her papers. Um, and then as yep. you said, Dwayne is with the, with the girl from Michael Jackson's video and she's, and he's, there's a part where he's studying, but then he gets distracted by a girl. Mm-hmm. And she like, get over here look at me. Yeah. And then we get Lou Myers, which is, uh, he is new to a different world. He was not yeah. in season one. Um, you know, unfortunately he has passed on. I, you know what, where I love him the most, uh, you know, the movie, the fighting temptations. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. And he got up there swing low. Yeah. Yeah. That movie, first of all, is chock full of so many black actors mm-hmm. and Beyonce's <laughs> and, in it. Like... That we love. Oh, yeah. I, okay, so what I was about to say was Black actors and Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> even though the girl can perform some good songs, the girl is not an actress. I love her acting no matter what. not her ministry. And, and I think she knows that acting ain't her ministry, but she still goes for it anyway. That's mm-hmm. perseverance, and I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is probably one of her better acting opportunities that she's done honestly i only like her and carmen and um carmen dream girls dream girls she did a good job fighting temptations but i was not a fan of obsessed or obsessions whichever movie that was when she was married to idris elba i wasn't a fan of okay i guess i could say she did her thing in austin powers but also felt like she was being her in austin powers Bottom line, because let me stop, because I'm going to sound like a hater. and then <laughs> Yeah, you do me. sound I, like you sound like a hater. <laughs> you know, they love calling me a hater just because, you know, I, I tell my truth, you know. So be happy, uh-huh. please stay where y'all at. Um, <laughs> but so, yeah, uh, uh, Mr. Gaines, yes, he is introduced 
to the show in this uh in this second season, which feels oh yeah, and you know what? Don't we get a different look of the pit? Yeah, they change it. It used to be where the where the actual kitchen staff thing was in the like very back uh-huh. left corner. Now it's in the close right uh right in right. front of us. Yeah. Because where the where where they used to actually go and get their food, I feel like they could have once been outside of the pit and still got it. Mm-hmm. Almost like a like a drive through, but like a walk up. Yeah. And then um and they also turned that into the back stairs area and then like the area that's supposed to be like the supposed bathroom. Yeah. So yeah. And then oh. um oh sorry, do you want to say anything else? Oh yeah, um, but we talk about Mr. Gaines as if he's been on on there the whole time. Yeah. And, and and I like how they just integrated him into the story like that. But he's not actually in this episode that we're actually talking about, but he comes in at some point. I don't know which episode he comes in, but he's not in this one in particular. I, didn't, I forgot that he's not. Yeah, he's. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll talk about him when he comes in the next couple episodes. But yeah, he's not actually in this episode in particular, but he's in the credits, though. So, right. Yeah. And then um, Daryl and Bell got upgraded. Uh, you know, from just being, you know, a random like guest appearance to now being a uh, part of the main, main part cast. of the payroll. Yeah. <laughs> and so what we see him in the in the intro where he's playing. It looks like he's playing basketball, but he has like a bunch of football players behind him. Um, and and then it turns into Sinbad, who also got upgraded to uh guests to now Maine and he's you know he has a basketball because you know he's a coach uh-huh yeah. so yeah that that was always a a funny type of sequence one because the way that the basketball uniforms used to look way back when where the shorts looked like draws it's just hilarious to me um y- y'all could never pull that off in 2022 um and then also like Ron was always doing something and he was always like betting on the sports. Cause like we, we have an episode of when he was betting on sports and then that turned into a whole civil rights issue. So he was always doing that. And so, so it's not unheard of for him to be getting jumped by the football team. (laughs) (laughs) And it's hilarious. And then we got Walter who was standing beside it because Walter is is basically like the person who tries to be he he's he tries to be the calm before the storm or uh other people might say the warning before the destruction yeah and they always end up being destructed so uh and, and so that moment where he's like um where he's spinning the ball on his finger um it's like, well, Ron, I tried to tell you. Oh, oh, hey, you here. What's up? Hey. Like, he just got caught. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's always, yeah, that that part is hilarious. I I thoroughly enjoy that. I, I guess I never really sat to think about, you know, the scenario in each, um, in each slide or with each um, character mm-hmm. when they are introduced on the show. Especially like like how you mentioned with Jaleesa and how the band is going on in the background and she's trying to study and she's having a hard time. Um, when I was attending Alabama State, uh, now the band 
didn't really bother me as much, but no matter where you were on campus, you were able to hear the band practice. And my dorm room, um, so my dorm was uh, the tower, <laughs> but it's just called Towers. Like nobody calls it Tower, it's Towers. I don't know why, but um, the tower has 11 floors. And I was on the 11th floor. <laughs> And the band would practice in the music building that's practically across from campus from me um, in distance as far as like if I were to, now the walk would be a little nice because, you know, it's still a college campus and covering ground on foot is much harder than covering ground on wheels. But if you were to stand from my window, you can see where the band is practicing. And I could hear them very clearly, but there would be some times where they would have to be have to rehearse the same song over and over again. And I was Jaleesa. <laughs> I would be like, yo, hang it out. <laughs> or I'm like, y'all got an inside. Go inside. Like, which one of y'all is off? Or it would sometimes get to a point where I'm like, mm, Trump is you was off. Or I would be, uh, sax, you were flat. You know, like. Mm-hmm. I had a moment where I was all like, bro, can y'all get it together? Because I'm fed up. And it would be times where I would just like, I would give up and I would just turn the TV on until it was all over and done with. And then by the time it's over and done with, I'm so tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm ready to go to sleep at this point. Mm-hmm. So I felt Jaleesa in yeah. that slide. <laughs> Um, and then the next one is Charnell Brown. We're, we're introduced to her. She also is new to the show. Um, and yep. you're, you're right. The, the person that she's dancing with is, I believe, Debbie Allen's brother um, uh-huh. wearing the um, what I, I the, the fraternity sorority. I, I'm not familiar with that, but he's they're wearing. So he's wearing Kappa Lambda Nu, mm-hmm. um, but they are not part of the Divine Nine. I'm, I cannot say whether or not they are an established um, organization mm-hmm. because there are so many Greek letter organizations that are not part of the divine nine that exists. Um, but I just recognize that shirt because everybody who pl- who played a Catholic new member wore that shirt, yeah. including Ron. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so we're introduced to her. She's brand new f- to the show and we'll talk to her about her because she literally is being introduced into this episode. But mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, so she's dancing with him. And then the next one is Freddie or I was going to say Freddie, Cree Summers. Um, shout out to uh, my fellow Canadian. Um, <laughs> I love her. She, you know, what's great is like she like she she reps Toronto mostly because I think she grew up in Toronto, but there was a, mm-hmm. par- a part of her life where she actually grew up in Saskatchewan, which for people that don't know about Saskatchewan, it's the province next to us. Like they're, we're, they're the prairies. Like we're, we're, where I live is the prairies and where she, that province is, we're like in total, we're the prairies, right? Uh, so it's literally Saskatchewan for me to get there is like in six hours if you get there. Uh, you but, have just taught me something. Yeah. <laughs> because there's a, um, there's an episode where Whitley says Saskatchewan. Does she? Uh, oh, yeah. I didn't know. I want to say it's the episode where Kim's dad is shot. Oh, um, she's ha- she's having some serious conversation, and I think it's with Freddie. 
either with Freddie or uh, it, it's with somebody. Yeah. But she mentioned Saskatchewan. And first of all, I, I did not know if it was a real place or not. It is. A, it's a it's a province. So like, you know how you guys, you know, you live in Illinois. That's a state. We, mm-hmm. we that's the same thing as a state like a province but that's the same oh a province yeah. is a state it's it's like that but we don't call it states we call it provinces <laughs> that's great you are teaching me today yeah you see i thought a, i thought a province was a country no <laughs> canada I, I, is the country jesus christ am i am i giving a history lesson to or a geography you, lesson to the americans are, here? and i'm here for it i am here for it because like oh my god and then when when I heard Saskatchewan, mm. I assumed that if it was a real place, it would have been in Asia because, oh, I sound really bad saying this, but like when I heard Saskatchewan, Szechuan is what popped in my head. Y'all, yeah, please don't get me. I'm I'm not, you know. Yeah, so I, she I ain't that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so Cree, uh, she, yeah, so she was, uh, she grew up in the Cree First Nation in Saskatchewan. That's probably why her name is Cree. That's why she got um, a name. Yeah. So, um, we know she's biracial even in real life, but her character yeah. is biracial. Um, but yeah, so I, I, that's why I say my fellow Canadian and she reps, like she reps Toronto a lot. Uh, but she, yes, literally <laughs> it's every hashtag is Toronto kids. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she she reps us, us Canadians basically. Well, you know Toronto people, but in general Canada. Period. Um, Period. But yeah, so uh, yeah, so she, she we're also introduced to her in this episode too, um, and in this uh, sequence she's just on the phone, and then we see Glenn Turman. Turman, am I saying his last name? Yes, Turman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a bunch of uh, people behind him that are doing the salute basically, and he's in mm-hmm. his military the outfit. ROTC. Yeah. yeah and then um i think he's the last one introduced oh, my thing keeps pausing on me uh but yeah so then and then at the end we have the all the students together and uh you know the caps and gowns yeah basically. uh yeah it's the caps and gowns and the people who are uh you know looking at their watches and then yeah so basically um, i was gonna say so basically in this whole um the whole intro it really showcased what college life is you know from getting ready to go to class to studying to the marching band to you know talking to your friends on the phone playing sports and then mm-hmm. eventually graduating it literally is showing that in the in the intro and showing what this show is about in just absolutely that intro. so what well, we sorry absolutely. i interrupted you <laughs> and and while we are on the subject of green term i just want to send him some love and some hugs as we just lost Sidney Poitier. And he plays Sidney Poitier's son in the original recording of A Raisin in the Sun. And it really just hurts because, like, we are losing all of the elders in the the industry. We have lost Betty White. We, we've lost... We ended 2021 Sydney with that. Right. And we're starting off with Sydney Poitier and now with Bob Saget. My Lord. Yeah. <laughs> 2022 did not come to play. I, I wish it did, though, because we need more time. I, at least say to us, like, hey, you're going to lose your man. You know, don't just let yeah. us lose our people. I mean. Yeah. So just send 11 lighting hugs to Colonel Taylor. Mm-hmm. So uh, this episode that we're talking about, 
which we're putting it, it there's not much details to it but I, it's it's mm-hmm. a very it's very introduction episode that's what i like and i would say yeah this is a this is the new series premiere that's what i feel like from this episode yeah it's it's really introductory like you said and uh, or as you said it kind of sets a tone mm-hmm. and it sets a precedent because I feel like the season before, the season before, season one, it had a totally different look and a totally different feel. While we are seeing things that we go through in college, um, we go through the registration, um, we go through hearing about hard teachers, we go through um, hearing about how campus stays a lot this episode gave a good first look into that especially with Dwayne we are we are watching Dwayne shaking his boots about this professor and I've been there (laughs) I've been there too (laughs) oh my god I've totally like I had a teacher what was her name Miss Mapp and she was my history teacher and for one, I was just like, oh, girl, you did this on purpose. Because mm-hmm. how, how is your last name Map and you're teaching the map? Um, quite honestly, the class itself, I guess you could say that it, it, was, it was basic. The way that she taught it and the way that she wanted her assignments to be, it was really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I had another teacher teach the same class. And and handle it differently. And I was just like, oh, well, that's all she was saying. You know, I felt I learned rather quickly in college that classes can be retaken. Uh, <laughs> I but for me, I didn't I didn't like re- retaking classes. I didn't I didn't like having to retake a class. But like I always grew up like I didn't even know that summer school was a thing until I got to college because all my life growing up if you went to summer school in in either elementary school or in high school that was a, a very clear factor that you failed something mm-hmm. and it was just it was always just a negative stigma behind having to go to summer school so uh so when i learned that like people willfully <laughs> went to summer school i was like wait a minute what yeah um and <laughs> And when taking that teacher, at least, so like my first semester, my schedule was mapped out for me. Like I didn't choose my own classes. Oh. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just an Alabama State thing or if that's an HBCU thing. I don't, I don't know. Um, I imagine that it's probably only an Alabama State thing, but yeah, like they gave me my schedule right then and there. And when I learned about um, classes being retaken and I was just kind of taken aback but that was the class that I had to retake and I think I took it about three times mm. and it and it wasn't until that third time well I t- so I took the same teacher twice I took Miss Matt twice because I couldn't find anybody else and after that second time I was like okay yeah this isn't working mm-hmm. so thankfully I got a new professor Miss Darby and she broke everything down and I passed the class with the name. Um, 
Yeah, it, it, I I hated retaking classes, but um, before we, I just realized we're missing a part here. So before we get into it, so for those that know, Denise is no longer in this show. She has moved on to the Cosby show. And what's crazy is, you know, like Debbie Allen actually wanted Lisa to be on A Different World pregnant, like and having Denise pregnant. But Bill Cosby... Oh. Bill Cosby was like, no, Lisa Bonet is pregnant, but not um, Denise. Not and, Denise. And I, I was, I was preparing for this episode. I was watching a lot of interviews by all the other people that created the show, and they mm-hmm. think that, um, you know, if if she was pregnant on a different world, it would affect the Cosby Show because now they have to deal with that topic on the Cosby Show because eventually she she'll she'll have to come home, right? And if right. she has a kid. But it's weird because a season later, she has a stepchild. So it's like, what the heck is going on? Like, I just, I'm just like, okay, this is stupid. <laughs> but, but imagine, yeah. but imagine having, imagine if they, if they did go for it, like imagine her being on the show. That would, th- this would have been a, literally a different world. <laughs> and, and this is what I mean by like, you know, I know that there are something we can't say that, you know, the, the show was entirely perfect because there was there are moments that could have been captured that were not mm-hmm. and this is one of them I can only imagine the ways that they could have gone with handling Denise's pregnancy mm-hmm. especially since later on down the line and not entirely too much later but we have a pregnancy scare with Kim yeah and I feel like if they would have had Denise pre- uh, actually pregnant on the show, one, it it would have either been a turn of her having to go home. Mm-hmm. But because we know Denise, Denise would probably would not have been going home that quickly. Yeah. Denise probably would have been at home and well until she could not be at home anymore. <laughs> and her family would not have found out until she couldn't have been at home anymore. Yeah. I feel like Jaleesa, at least, like Jaleesa and the gang would have banded together to have a human baby. Like, yeah. Um, so like and, and if you if you remember in the episode where Kim has this pregnancy scare, um, and Freddie is all like, you know, we'll take care of the, we'll, we'll we'll take the baby in different shifts. I'll take the baby from this time to that time and you can go to mm-hmm. class. And then you could take this baby from this time to that time. I feel like they probably would have done something along those lines. Yeah. Um, or even so much as had like Stevie or Letty babysitting this baby while she's in class. Oh, by the you way, Stevie, Stevie is gone. <laughs> it's oh, just yeah, Letty. You, duh, you're right. Letty. <laughs> um, having Letty babysit this baby while while Denise is in class. And I feel like Letty probably would have done it. Um, you know, there's there's so many possibilities that could have, you know that that could have happened with that and addressing that on the Cosby show the Co- y'all was able to address everything else why you can't address a teen pregnancy we're in the the late 80s going into into the early 90s where by this point 13 and 14 year olds are having babies left and right this is something that could have been addressed um especially for those 13 and 14 year olds who are having babies that could have been something that spoke to them um that could have giving them some some kind of courage to still be able to say like hey you know this is just a, a life event mm-hmm. you know life goes on from this 
you can move past this. You know, you and your baby can be good. But, <clears throat> excuse me, I feel like, um, I feel like in, in Cosby's mind, um, he he would have felt like he was glamorizing it more than he would have been, you know, putting out awareness or prevention. Mm-hmm. So he aired on safety and I get it. But, um, but I also have to remember that those times were not as progressive as now. Yeah. Because now we would have saw like a grown situation with Noli. Yeah, she had <laughs> she had a baby. Yeah. So so yeah. Yeah. Um, and then also another change from season one to season two is that Marissa Tomei is no longer in the show. And apparently Debbie Allen wanted to keep her. Um, but I think it might have been the other producers that felt like or something something happened and then they just released her and then she ended up winning an Oscar a few years later. So I think it all worked out. <laughs> and then we got Freddie, who is basically Maggie. Yeah. Maggie with soul. So like <laughs> with soul. <laughs> it balanced out because <laughs> Well, okay, maybe not with soul, but like Cree really um Freddie is Cree. Yeah, I don't yeah, I don't I think she was like herself. I don't think she ever was acting. <laughs> exactly. Like Cree was I hate using this term because it, it sounds like like I'm being dismissive, but Cree is a tree hugger. Mm-hmm. And she cares a lot about the environment. Everything that, that Freddie Brooks talked about was Cree Summer. Mm-hmm. And to this day, she is that way. Yeah. Um she she has always cared about the ozone layer. She's always cared about recycling. She's always cared about the the health and the care of this earth. Um, she, she's always been true to nature mm-hmm. and Maggie was kind of the same way, especially like, um, what, what, what she was always earthy. Cause like, what does she give Jaleesa? Like a macrame something. Yeah. She gave her weird things. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> you know, um, Maggie was very much into the recycling and um, reducing your body buffer zone, (laughs) (laughs) which is really just oversharing your personal space. And now during COVID. um, So Freddie was, was Maggie and some. Um. We got to see part the personality of Maggie, but there's a clear distinction between the two. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so those were the changes. And so this episode is a different world, season two, episode one. Uh Doctor uh, I was gonna say Doctor Hell. Doctor War is Hell. <laughs> um <laughs> I don't know why I said, thought of that. Um, and then, so this episode aired October 6th, uh, 1988, which was, I think, the same day as the premiere of season five, which is together again and again. Um, and uh, the synopsis for this episode is Julissa and Whitley have new roommates. And w- uh, while Dwayne is trying to avoid uh, uh, his, you know, this professor. And so basically, um, we're back to school. This is the introduction to... 
basically Freddie and uh, Kim, uh, because they are freshmen. Yeah. Um, first of all, Whitley had, I, I swear she, she's never had a roommate and now she has, she, she did not. And now she has a roommate, which is Kim. And uh, she already has some issues with Kim uh, with the bed. <laughs> First of all, how Willie became so fortunate to, to get the same room for at least three years, I don't understand. Um, is that common? No. Okay. <laughs> um, or it could be like a first come, first serve basis. Mm-hmm. So that may have been where her luck her luck comes in because when so first of all you you choose housing before you even leave the campus yeah um and you have to make sure that you handle housing because there are incoming freshmen so they need to know if anybody plans on staying on campus and if you do where you want to go mm-hmm. or where you can go um but even if Whitley was able to get into her her old dorm, getting into the same room, girl, you had to be there like on the day that you were paying for your housing deposit. Like you had to be there saying like, here's $400. This is for this year and this is for next year. <laughs> like, yeah. The likelihood of getting that same room is really slim. Um, so, so there was that. Um, and also how she was fortunate enough enough to not have a roommate. That's yeah, because what? Um, I I I was without a roommate for like maybe all of a week, and then I got my roommate. Mm-hmm. You know, but I can't base Whitley off of me. Um, but the girl was fortunate, very much fortunate. Um, but these problems that started off with Kim first of all I really appreciate the fact that throughout this show we see some growth in Whitley not not entirely too much because she still holds those values to her but um the very first thing that we see whenever there's an interaction with Whitley is is her upbringing um it's kind of like Willie is like the personification of like those jokes that that start off with so so three three different types of people walk into a bar, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, and and Whitley is always the person who kind of points it out like like oh I can already tell that you and I didn't grow up the same so this is not going to work. And it's like, ma'am, first of all, can you consider the fact that you are in country-ass Virginia? Like, let's let's disregard the fact that your daddy is a judge. Let's disregard the fact that, you know, the people around you are from New York, Ohio, and everywhere else. You live in country-ass Virginia. Like, Wait, is is Virginia is Virginia supposed to be a country? I don't I don't uh, like a country type of place. I I've been, oh. I feel like I've been to Virginia and it didn't feel like that. I have to, Lord, I have to keep remembering that you are not here. Okay, so <laughs> um, when people say that something is country, they're really like being really shy. Uh, let's say that country is like the equivalent. It's not necessarily saying ghetto, 
I, I, I've been to Virginia by driving wise, but never like stopping there. So I don't know what the. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Virginia is cool, but like it's I'm really trying to find a good way to describe it um, because there are some some touristy city type of areas in Virginia, mm-hmm. like like, you know, Myrtle Beach, you know, people don't just up and say, yeah, let's go to Virginia, Virginia colonial. I can say that. It, it still kind of gives the colonial vibe. Okay. And, you know, it, it was one of the original colonies. Farmy is way back in the day. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like okay. Yeah. And um, in and, and different parts of the South, like when people say, like, have you heard people refer to, to like country boys and country girls? Okay. Yeah, I've, I've so, heard that, yeah. One, it's a, it's a totally different culture. Um, but normally, like, when a man refers to, to himself as a country boy, it's because he is uh, from an area that is considered down home. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, th- this is somebody who who will ride a tractor, who will... Um, who will run outside in his shoe in his feet and when I say in his feet I mean no socks no shoes and feel absolutely comfortable um what else have I have I seen uh like they so they have like this uh this southern accent or a southern drawl that is like it's very pronounced the so the country lifestyle I guess or like the southern lifestyle it has plenty of positives. You know, it includes good cooking. It includes a, the, a different level of style and grace, like how Whitley was acting, you know. But also when, when, when people kind of talk about the country, quote unquote, type of areas, there's not really much around them. Mm-hmm. So from, from where Whitley was from, it was very clear that it was nothing for her to do when she went home but to be at home. Yeah. Um and yeah, she might have been going to like country clubs and stuff like that, but that's literally all there is to do. Mm-hmm. You know, she wasn't from a big city area where there was it's not like she was from Chicago where she could be riding up and down downtown going to different stores and stuff like you you can stand in downtown and turn around and see see the whole downtown. Mhm. You know, so Whitley really just acted like she was from this like really high up pitch posh area. Whereas like, no ma'am, you have rocks on your ground that you can skip down at the lake. Like, I need you to be humble and and stop trying to look down on other people because girl, please. <laughs> so that that's really what I meant, you know, in the way that she was acting towards Kim and towards Dwayne and everybody else when it came to the clear differentiation between what her father does and what everybody else's parents do. That's another thing too. Like, um, like your daddy is the only one who works and your mama was living off your daddy for all these years. Uh, like, like we, we have different parts of your storyline that we can break down and ma'am, you do not have the space to be <laughs> trying to talk down on other people. <laughs> Whitley was one of my least favorite people at first in a different world. I don't know how she has been able to walk him and without somebody at least yanking her hair like 
Whitley would have got so much of my vocabulary. And we probably would have fought. I, I, I can only imagine the thoughts that was going through Kim's mind. You know, and, and then like when she mentioned, uh, do you know the Lincoln Heights area? She, I heard of it. <laughs> so you're trying to tell me that you ain't ran through the hood one time? Yeah. You know, I'll, you you gonna look down on the Lincoln Heights area again as if there are any other places that you can go, ma'am. Stop playing with me. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not a fan of city people and people who just who act like like Willie. I'm not a fan. I I cannot. I I just cannot. It, it makes me want to fight. So now, so Whitley is. Um fighting over this bed basically like she wants this bed that's on the left side or by the window that was the thing because that's it it's a a family tradition basically because like her mother slept there and i'm like what (laughs) her mama her her cousin alicia her aunt francine and somebody else yeah and so and but like kim was there so fair and square right first come first absolutely absolutely um now, some dorms would probably assign you the bed. Mm-hmm. Um, they will probably say, like, you know, you're a bed A, you're a bed B. Um, the hard thing, I think, was determining which bed was bed A and which bed was bed B, if there wasn't, like, an A, a or B over the bed, um, or if they didn't, like, give you a layout of your room and being able to tell you, like, oh, your bed is by the door, your bed is by the closet type of situation. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine that was not the situation for, for Hillman. And like you said, fair and square. She got the bed first because nobody else was in the room. Yeah. And we learn uh, through this conversation because, you know, um, Whitley asks Kim like uh, information about her while also mm-hmm. is like frustrated about like not having this bed. So basically we learned that Kim is from Columbus, Ohio. She is at Hillman because her brother was here. I didn't know that she had a brother. Uh, this is like, I, I she, didn't really. She has like two brothers that we never see. Yeah. So many people have so many family members that we never meet. Yeah. Get on my nerves. And then her mom is a bookkeeper and her dad is a police which we'll, we'll know in this season that, you know, gets shot. Um, mm-hmm. you know, spoiler alert there, but, um, but yeah. And so uh, finally Whitley's like, no, I want that bet. <laughs> like it is a family tradition. And I mean, like temper tantrum was give me my bed. Yeah. Girl, if y'all sit down so well, mm-hmm. no, we would have, we would have been fighting right then and there. I would have been like, oh, you mean this bed? Mm-hmm. And I would have sat right down. Yeah. And, um. Finally, Kim gives the bed to Whitley, but she is now going to put the human anatomy poster up in her wall. And Whitley is like grossed out. She's like, no, we're not having that man up there. <laughs> Basically, that's how she like referred it to. And, I'll, um, and she's like, I'm pre-med. Like, I, this is what I'm going to be studying. Exactly. And, which is normal. Like, Exactly. And it was the anatomical man. It wasn't like she had a whole life-size doll. Mm-hmm. That was naked standing up over the board. And even then, girl, it's a doll. Like, yeah. you got real men on campus. Girl, get out of my face. <laughs> yeah. I was not a fan of Whitley. I swear I wasn't. <laughs> Jesus. And, and then, yeah, and then when they're at the pits, 
you know, uh, Whitley is trying to like do a wager, basically being like, can we get rid of that man? Like, or put it up on like the door, but it would be her Whitley's robe would be over it. Like it would like, and Kim was like, no, you got the bed. So I, I keep the poster. (laughs) Right. She's like, you want him on the door under your robe? Nice to be warm. Girl, bye. Yeah. He's a piece of paper. He don't need to be warm. He need to be in my face so that I can get my homework done. Mm-hmm. Stop playing with me. So, yeah. So that is their storyline. So then now the second storyline with Freddie being introduced. Um, first of all, this is so weird to see it as an episode because now I've learned from other interviews. Basically, Freddie mm-hmm. has a crush on Dwayne. For people that didn't know, uh, Kree and uh, Kadeem actually dated. <laughs> They did. So it's weird that like at this moment in time, she's having a crush on like Dwayne. I wonder if that was a real one, you know? (laughs) So like, well, yeah. So, so what she said was um, on the road trip special that when she auditioned, she saw, she saw him and was like, yeah, y'all gonna have to put me on this show because I got to date him. Mm -hmm. And um late oh what season was that season it could have been season five is that when they acquired height hall yes it was yep because that was the beginning of Dwayne and Whitley's um engagement yeah so um the scene where they walk into the pit after Kim and Freddie are trying to find out who got married mm-hmm. and this and this is probably like right before the moment we found out who got married they snuck a kiss oh yeah yeah you're right which is so weird (laughs) and then at this point it's not even sneak because girl i just saw you grab this boy's face (laughs) how do they let let that be on the show like i just (laughs) i don't think they noticed it until (laughs) it was already on there yeah but like girl you you went in for this kiss and then we just saw you standing there holding his face and he looking all giddy and then it got me thinking like well how long are we all together because mm-hmm. i thought that relationship probably lasted like all of a year i don't know but like what i do know is that a lot of people are kind of close with kadeem's mom yeah in real life yeah you know and she basically plays like grandma to to these people's kids and stuff like that and so it got me to think maybe i did date for a little bit longer than a year mm-hmm. i don't know especially to do to do a, a whole blatant kiss in season five yeah yeah y'all, y'all bold y'all real bold yeah and so freddie is from santa fe new mexico um mm-hmm. and um you know Jaleesa thinks, you know, Freddie thinks irrational about certain things, you know, because like, especially the fact that she had a crush on Dwayne, like Jaleesa was like, like, no, uh, yeah, you got to be crazy. But what we, a, a, a lot of things, well, the one thing that gets easily overlooked is the fact that when Freddie gets to, to Hillman, she's 17. Is she? Yeah. Oh, I didn't like, know that. Like she skipped a year in high school or something like that. Oh, okay. Okay. But so like she is technically a high school senior walking on the college campus. Yeah. And Jaleesa, if she's not 30 already, she's damn near there. Yeah. So <laughs> it's totally a different world for Freddie. Yeah. <laughs> Cause she's literally the youngest on campus and she's 
living with part of the oldest on campus mm-hmm. and everybody around her is 18 and up yeah um which is kind of uh well you know what no I think they probably recognized the fact that Freddie was young mm-hmm. um because when she was trying to put the move on Dwayne Dwayne had the response that of a guy that was all like I don't think I should be pursuing you like he he had that mindset so I so I think yeah I think he did recognize that she was young yeah and Ron ends up having a crush on Freddy like it's weird like you know what see girl you're gonna have me spoiling this whole show because I got so many opinions (laughs) when it comes to when it comes to that entire situation oh my god yeah. Oh my god. But yeah, eventually that does happen and oh lord, it 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 knocks your socks. Well, no, I'm not going to say it knocks your socks out. But it did surprise me though. Mhm. Well, the longevity surprised me. Yeah. I'll say that and I'll leave it at that cuz I don't, I don't want to spoil nothing. But yeah, so Freddie like when we're at the pit, Freddie is looking at Dwayne, but Ron is looking at Freddie. And you know, Ryan's like, "Oh, look at she's looking at me," but really, he's she's looking at Dwayne. <laughs> so that, um, but yeah, it, it at this point it doesn't go anywhere in terms of any relationship at the moment. You know, of course, right. in the future it will be. But uh, afterwards, in the I don't know what if this is the next day or the evening. Well, it is the evening because they're about to go to bed. Uh, you know, Freddie and Jalisa they're in their dorm room. And uh, Freddie decides what she wants to take. So she wants to take um, modern history, uh, modern European history, African-American literature, French Eastern philosophy and statistics and some other oh, in, intro into a novel or something like that. But like, I was just like, damn, girl, like, what, what is your major? <laughs> like, what? That's one thing, because. <laughs> yeah, damn, because you're a freshman. Yeah, you're taking you're taking at least twenty five credits. Yeah, and and isn't most of the courses most of her courses that she's taking are intro usually like intro to calculus, intro to literature. Like these are seems like supposed to be intro classes. Yeah. Um, but also, if she could be a seventeen year old freshman, there's no telling what provisions were made on the academic side. Mm-hmm. Um, she probably, um, she probably she probably uh qualified to to have higher level courses. You know, I don't know how how that worked out, but I remember me having seventeen credits my first semester almost knocked the wind out of me. Mm-hmm. I could not be Freddie having those those classes. Because stats, first of all, you lost me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like statistics. I'll be honest. The first, the 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 first statistics, uh, the second one, like afterwards, I didn't like. Math and I have a very love hate relationship. Heavier on the hate. Mm-hmm. Um, money, and I mean, math and I only work out when it comes to money. Mm-hmm. That's that's the best success that I have with math. Um. And even then, sometimes I still get shocked because what, how much I think I have versus how much I be having, really be off. 
So, uh, yeah, so I, I got, uh, I'm kind of biased when it comes to math, but like you got European history, you got African-American studies, you got French something. French, French is Eastern philosophy. I didn't even know that was Girl, a thing. Woo-wee, come back to the States, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> you done went all over the world. Stay in America for a while. You know, get get a feel for what you about to, you know, but also her mind was developed before going mm. to college. She is the child of tree huggers. She is the child of people. There's um there's one episode that she mentions that her mom, like she she was not read the traditional bedtime stories. Mm-hmm. Um and the ones that she did have, you know, they were edited. <laughs> by people who you know were like oh no this story is too dark we're about to brighten this up Mm -hmm. um and also she she mentioned that her mom used to read to her from Chaucer which wow um Chaucer was what's the word for it it's not a literateur somebody who was well respected in the literary in, in literary history and um and he he wrote a lot of profound works and words that you don't normally learn until you're an adult so being a child and being read his stories and stuff is like wow and and understanding it at that like that (laughs) so I can imagine why she went for for these classes and I love her ambition but she me her would not have gone to those distances uh, they're about to go to bed, but uh, Freddie mentions that there was a phone call from a guy named Eric, and apparently Jaleesa met this guy uh, during the summer when where she was working. Um, but she doesn't really say much to Freddie about um, about uh, Eric. But right. I don't think I don't think he becomes a character in the show, like as one of her boyfriends. It's it's Walter, not, not a character that we see, right? Yeah. Um. He's just a character that gets mentioned a lot and he's known as Jaleesa's boyfriend until Walter. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, they just they just toss his name around. Um and I forgot like when when they had the phone call, my lord, the payphone. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, to not have a phone in your room. I had a I had I specifically mm, yeah my mom we went down to walmart and she bought me a phone for my room i didn't have any real reason to use it because i wasn't calling anybody and i had a cell phone so she was calling me on my cell phone yeah there's no point but i i don't know like i i don't know maybe it was to give me the experience but there also came a time where like she would call my dorm room phone and if she didn't if I didn't pick up the dorm room phone, she would do the most, but we're not going to go into that one. <laughs> but having to, to go to the pay phone and pick up the phone call for anybody, literally, like, yeah. what if what if the phone wasn't for, for Jaleesa? <laughs> you yeah. would have had to be knocking on people's doors like, hey, phone for you. And then by the time you get to the phone, they can hang up. Like, yeah. Ooh, we. Different times. Yeah, for sure. Um. <laughs> 
And then uh, right before they go to bed, Freddie asks his, um, Jalisa, do you think Dwayne would want children? And I'm like, girl, move on. Let's, let's just move on. Like, Damn, <laughs> you yourself are a child. Like, please. Yeah. Please. Um, so we're now going to talk about the main storyline of this episode, which is uh, the Dr. War part, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so Dwayne, I don't know if, in, I can't remember in season one, did we establish that he was an engineering major? Like, I don't, I know he was good, he's smart, but I didn't, I don't think he was like. I think so. I think it was established that he, I think he might've said that he wanted to be an engineer, mm-hmm. but it probably wasn't like, a, yeah, I'm an engineering major. Yeah. I think it was just, I want to be an engineer. So this is the third year they're in. Like, this is their junior year, right? This is Dwayne's sophomore year. Oh, sophomore year. Okay. Because um, it just it seems a little weird that we're talking about calculus, where usually calculus is, you take it in the first year. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. You took calculus the first year? Yeah. I, I, oh, I guess for me, you know, I took calculus in high school. And then I didn't need to oh. do it in university. Yeah, especially oh, especially yeah. for someone that's an engineering major. If you're like in arts, of course you're not going to take calculus okay. this year. You know what I mean? That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, but uh, it just it didn't make sense. So, anyways, he is he's trying to take calculus, and he does not want to take it with Doctor War. He would rather take it with Doctor Combs. But like, it's he, which is weird because I'm like, if you have two options, why are you worried? Like, you know, like does he think the other course is going to be? Uh, <sighs> So I want to say that he was, I think they kind of tried to schedule him to be with Colonel Taylor. And also I want to say that Combs probably was full mm-hmm. or at least was filling up. Yeah. Cause no one wants um, to be with him. Right. Right. Cause nobody, right. Exactly. And so when it comes to registration, you got to get in where you fit in. Mm-hmm. And so Dwayne just knew, I I think Dwayne was torn between having his mind challenged and actually just wanting to take the course with with these people. Um, And and I I think that was the battle that he was fighting for most of the episode. So it was kind of like, a, I want to take a class that challenges me, but on the other side, on the other hand, everything comes easy to me. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe that was a moment of growth for him. Um, because honestly, like I would be, I would take the easiest teacher because yeah. Um, but I also know what it feels to be in a situation where you don't feel challenged enough. Um, that was me when I took Spanish. Um, so I went to two high schools and at my first high school, well, no, let's, let's go a little further back. So in middle school, I went to a school that that was a high school, but they had a, a, a middle school program. So seventh grade, I was taking eighth, eighth grade classes and eighth grade, I was taking freshman classes. Mm-hmm. And the class that I excelled in the most was Spanish. So I was taking freshman level Spanish. So by the time I was a freshman in high school, I was literally going, I was re- literally doing the work that I had just been doing for the past year. I sat through it a little bit for the first year, but 
the teacher could tell that I was bored. I, I, I would have all the answers and it got to the point where like I stopped raising my hand to answer questions, but then it was times that she would call on me and my classmates caught on to the fact that I was good at Spanish. And so that's when I quickly learned that, you know, help me in Spanish translated to do my Spanish work. And when I learned that, I'm, yeah, no, back away from me. Do not sit next to me in class. Do not sit next to me for a test. No, leave me alone. Um, and then when I felt that way, then it was, oh, you think you better than us or you, you acting like you above us. And, you know, no, that's not what it is. I'm sorry that y'all didn't go to the same type of school that I went to argue with your mama, but you're not about to cheat off my paper and I'm not doing your work just for you to breeze through this class. So, um, but the teacher was able to recognize when I, when my boredom would kick in and we had a conversation about that and I told her like, yeah, everything that you, that you've taught so far, I learned last year. You know, like, I think I even got to the point where I might've like turned in my assignments earlier and she would be telling me like, girl, you got to turn it in on the day that I say, turn it in. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, but I don't want to keep holding this, holding yeah. on to this. Like this can get lost in my folder. I ain't got time for this, but we had a conversation when she when she noticed that I was bored and that I needed to be challenged more. So she would give me extra homework or like stuff that I that I learned already <laughs> again. And by the time I was a sophomore in high school at that first school, um, I tested out. Um, they they arranged for me to take a test, and I got a B on that test. And, and so I couldn't score any lower than a B if I, and, and with me scoring a B, I became a teacher's assistant. So I was grading her papers and, um, and grading homework and tests and stuff. And whenever there was a sub, I would assist with the sub and tell the sub, like, this is what they learn and whatever problem was, they would give us a sub who knew jack shit about what we were learning. So then I would have to end up teaching the lesson or at least going around like a tutor and mm-hmm. helping people. Oh, that was, those were some good times. But then I transferred to another school. And so by that time, I'm a junior. And they were like, hey, you want to take Spanish? And I'm like, no, I don't. I had already fulfilled my requirement. And so I'm like, no, I'm tired. And my mom was all like, come on, take Spanish. It'll make you more marketable when you're grown. And look at me now, not using it. Um, so, so I went ahead and did it junior year. And then senior year rolls around and they're like, yeah, you could take Spanish four. I don't want to take another Spanish. I'm tired. The words are still the same. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if I'm looking for oil, I'm still looking for el aceite. If I'm looking for... Butter, I'm still looking for La Matequilla. Leave me alone. I'm done. Then my mom was all like, but you're going into it, into the adult world, and you're going to need to know all of this stuff. I have yet to use Spanish for mm-hmm. outside of conversation with my, uh, with my Latinx coworkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and so... Yeah. So speaking about this calculus course, uh, you know, Dwayne has to figure out a, a, a solution of not taking uh, Colonel Taylor's class. So 
He mm-hmm. goes to Walter. Uh, first of all, before he goes to Walter, uh, Walter does this introduction. Uh, first of all, this is the first time we we'll, we see the male's dorm room. Like, isn't that crazy? We ha- didn't see it at all in yeah. season one. Yeah. You're right. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So he does an introduction. And basically, if they do something bad or stupid, he's just going to kill them. <laughs> like, literally. Basically, like, don't like he he's so simple don't do nothing stupid and if you do something stupid i'm gonna have to kill you and if you if you're in jail i'll come and get uh take you out but I'm then gonna i'm gonna kill and then and i'm then, gonna kill you like, mm-hmm. yeah and so he basically scared the guys and they all run out within like seven seconds that's what he says um but Dwayne, you know asks uh walter um like can you like because apparently walter works in registration so he's wanting him to like save him a spot for dr combs class um mm-hmm. and uh what was i gonna say but uh like he was like what why why are you why don't you want to take the class and he's or in that that uh, class with the dr work and it's because that you know he knows he's not gonna do well like he he wants to have good grades um mm-hmm. so yeah so and then finally uh, uh walter is like okay i'll i'll do i'll do my magic basically and make sure that you get dr combs but yeah lying through his teeth yeah <laughs> and uh and then eventually um walter does go to uh to colonel taylor, uh, taylor and talks about like first of all where Colonel, uh, colonel taylor is working out it looks like just like a normal office it does not look like a gym it was like it does not because we see no trace of a basketball hoop we don't see first of all the space itself is is already small mm-hmm. so i don't know if they had those you know maybe their gym building first of all we don't know if it was like a building that was all by itself mm-hmm. or if it was like oh you could find the gym at the basement of this building you know um I want to go on a limb and say that like maybe there's like a game room, a weight room, and then the actual gym gym. Um, I hope that's what it's like because that's too small of a space to be throwing a chess pass. <laughs> you know, yeah. like you try to play basketball and then you knock somebody's head off. Like I, I really hope that y'all have various spaces for different activities. Mm -hmm. to take place especially when y'all are having registration in this same room yeah it's gonna gonna smell like sweat and socks so um yeah to my knowledge um the gym has always been like a standalone building Mm -hmm. something the the building itself might have had a different purpose before it was the gym like at alabama state the building that we know to be the calf or the cafeteria Back in the day, it was a gym. Mm-hmm. Sounds really unsanitary when you when you put it that way. But, you know, it, it used to be the gym and then they turned it into the cafeteria. And then the gym, so they have an entire, uh, what they call the football complex. And it's basically an athletic area for the football team. But it's open to students to use as well. And there are weight rooms. There are, I, I want to say there's a basketball court. Um, 
and then to my knowledge there's a room with like with a treadmill and stuff like that um so I guess that was like the gym <laughs> of the building now um but I'm, I'm also sure that every school is different with how they do their games mm-hmm. um and so we're uh it is registration time and uh the okay so I don't know how you well, you're the same, basically the same age as me. Basically, when I registered for university, um, I did online. So I was able to do it from home. So, oh, it's, so oh, you didn't do that? I don't think that I registered for courses before get at least my first semester. No. Oh, wow. My how first do you, semester, how, they, they planned it out for me. They gave oh, me a, okay. a basic freshman um, schedule. And then from there, I had to meet with an advisor. Wow. I think I think there was some ability to do it online, but I was also I also was a freshman in twenty eleven. <laughs> um, but uh, I I think there was an issue with doing it online. Like oh. I think I think like I tried to do it online and it didn't save or. I wasn't looking at it the right way. Something. Either way, I ended up in the advisor's office and was like, yeah, give me that, give me that, give me that. You know, and then they put together my schedule. Oh, wow. Yeah, for me, I did it online. So I think the first time I learned about how registration worked back in the day was from a different world being like what they did long they had to wait in lines to register Mm -hmm. and you know my my cousin uh he actually went back to school the same time that I started school again or when Mm -hmm. I started school uh after high school and but when but he's gone to university way before like he you know he's in his 40s and he was telling me he was like wow things have changed you know it's so easy to register for course now compared to and I didn't understand then I look at this episode I'm like oh my god you have to wait in line to register for courses I was just like for me I just Um, wait I I wait for they tell you a time that you register so like if it's like 9 a.m you wait till 9 a.m and then it like pops up all the courses and then you just first come first serve I was like that's, oh yeah that's so sweet. sweet you you had it so sweet <laughs> I I had to sit in in I had to either be in line or sat in the waiting room of the office mm-hmm. and wait for hours for my name to get called um and everything was first come first serve so you almost had to be in in that person's office I like seven o'clock, seven thirty, you had to catch them when they were eating breakfast or something. Oh wow. Like and and it would be now sometimes you would have the people who like might have stopped at McDonald's and got them a quick little oatmeal or something. And then they're able to click while they're eating their breakfast. Other people is like, I'm finna eat and then I'll see you when I'm done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then other people might have been like, Yeah baby, I know you waiting. So I need you to go over to this room and just pick up some of these papers for me you know, bring her back in, you know, and then just, just keep waiting for your name to get called. Like, yeah, I was across the spectrum. I had to wait, wait in line for it. So, um, I was in school again, you know, prior to the days of cash app, Apple pay, Uber, all of that. So like when I needed to wash, I had to stand in lines to get my quarters. If the, if the machines didn't work, uh, cause we had these coin machines, but even still you had to go to the ATM to get cash if the ATM didn't work 
you had to go to the bursar's office. Yeah, you had to go to the bursar's office. Um, and basically like swipe your card and tell them like, hey, I need five dollars worth of quarters or something like that. And then you have to go before they close. Because if, if they close, especially like if it's Friday and they're closing and you got to wash your clothes. Oh, baby, <laughs> you are in trouble. Yeah. All, all I've known in college was standing in lines and sitting in offices and stuff, getting stuff done. I think the only thing that I that I can remember doing online was uh, was taking care of housing. And even then, it was like, okay, it was like a request. So like, I would, I would put in what I was putting in. I still had to go down to the birth. So I, like, I think I had to print something out and be all like, hey, this is me saying I want to live here and here's my money for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but shortly, very shortly after that is when they allow for you to pay online and all of that. Mm-hmm. So then, so then it was just like, a, well, damn, I y'all was working on that. Y'all could have just said something like I could have waited a few days. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so Dwayne, is, uh, he's happy because Walter, Walter changed the, basically gave him Dr. Combs class, but then Colonel uh-huh. Taylor comes in and basically is telling Dwayne, like, like, I want you in my class. I want someone that is smart like you. I want someone that I can challenge um and you know Dwayne was like yeah yeah not really not really you know um and what yeah Walter also put Colonel Taylor up on game that he was scared because mm-hmm. um, that was the thing and that's why I said like he was lying through his teeth because he had Dwayne thinking "Ooh, I'm gonna be in conflict I'm gonna be in conflict yeah. and then he see Colonel Taylor and he's like I right, so look I got Dwayne Wayne and this man is terrified of you. Yeah. so I need you to do and say whatever it takes for you to get to get him to go to your class Mm-hmm. And apparently, uh, uh, Colonel Taylor is the vice uh, chairman of the math uh, department. So there is a, apparently a 96 probability uh, percent probability that there uh, uh, basically so the he gave Dwayne a, a problem. It was a math problem. Uh, a train leaves New York at 8 a.m., travels south 85 miles per hour. Another train leaves uh, Virginia going north going 95 miles per hour, what time and what place do these trains meet? And, uh, you know, Dwayne's actually trying to solve the issue. And uh, Uh eventually he says Delaware. But actually, the answer is um, Monday morning at 8 a.m. in his classroom. Um, Mm -hmm. And basically he's saying that, like, because he is the vice chairman of the math department, they're mo- they're gonna their two trains will collide eventually. But it's up to Dwayne when that's gonna happen. When and where? Is, yeah, is up to you. Yeah, and then Dwayne ends up taking the the class uh, or the course with the the Colonel Taylor. So that now that kind of makes me think, if Dwayne did go for Professor Combs, he was still going to have to go with Colonel Taylor. Eventually, yeah. There'd be another course later on. Oh, that's petty. Yeah. That is so petty. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, good good move, Dwayne. Good move. I probably would have just got Colonel Taylor out of my hair (laughs) as quickly as I could have. Because, oh, my God. Yeah. 
So yeah, and then that's I would I would call this a series premiere, but it's it's just a season premiere, um, and that is the end of that episode. <laughs> yeah, um, I like the way that Walter operates. Walter is the type of person he's he's a background character in the sense where um he he's everybody's friend. Mm-hmm. And he's there for everybody. And they, he's the go-to guy. You know, like, Walter is also one of those people where, like, even if he doesn't have the answer, he has the answer. Mm-hmm. And the way that he just knew that Dwayne was avoiding his fears or that he was, you know, trying really, really hard to not have to, you know, uh, handle his responsibility. He he knew what was the right thing in order to get it done. Yeah. And I admire that mm-hmm. about, about Walter because we later on see the bond between Dwayne and Colonel Taylor. Mm-hmm. And, and it's sweet. Yeah. It is. Um, and yeah, so that is uh, that is a wrap for uh, the first episode. So I can't wait to get into more episodes. You know, they're um, especially for the serious themes. I think I'm, you're going to be talking with me because I don't think I could talk about them alone. But uh, but uh, yeah, I just I can't wait to get into these episodes. I, I'm now going to be more excited to talk about different because for the last like <laughs> few months, I was just like, yeah, so this is what happened, but you know, I don't really like this episode. Like, <laughs> oh man, and I can imagine because because season one was full of nope episodes, and yeah. yeah, like the the way that we trashed that that Cosby Show episode, I feel like we probably would have been doing that for the entire season one of, of a different world. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the stuff I probably could have found the good in it, like the episode where Denise owed Maggie money, mm-hmm. I I probably would have been able to be like, yeah, girl, you need to come out and tell her that she owe you some money because ain't no way in hell you walking around with these expensive magazines and, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, all this new stuff. And then you talk about you ain't got no money, but you're spending the money that you owe me. Yeah. Um, and we've seen Denise have, you know, money problems when her check bounced with Jaleesa's activity fees or whatever the case was. So, um yeah I definitely would have been doing a lot of opposing but I'm excited for for these episodes here on out because uh they are episodes of substance even the episodes that seem like they're fillers or that they seem like you know it was just something to put together it still has some type of meaning behind it yeah um so you want to plug yourself like usual I do. Um, TikTok, DJ Shea Baby, Twitter, I love them 90s, and Instagram, damn girl, you know everybody. Um, it was something that I was gonna tell y'all, and I can't think of what it is, so I'm sorry. Hopefully <laughs> I can remember the next, the next episode. It's always yeah. something that I forget to say. Yeah. You know, but keep listening. Um Shout out to y'all. 
for for making our our listens and our downloads go up <laughs> yeah recently up, up. recently went up because <laughs> yeah um yeah i love that for for this entire platform um keep that up um send questions you know keep it cute though and remember to self-care you know we're going into a new year and we're losing our grades and mm-hmm. you know we are still in this panoramic um just remember that you know caring for yourself is always key um even when you feel like you're about to wig out in the middle of all this craziness you know it's important that you find some peace and some solace mm-hmm. throughout all of this and however you you get it is however you get it just do it safely with good intention well uh if you want to see any content that uh, deals with this episode or this show in particular uh check out black tv shows pod on instagram and twitter and i said i know twitter i'm not doing so well but we'll get there um and then also if you need to send feedback uh email black tv shows pod at gmail.com um and uh can't wait to get into more episodes absolutely Okay. Well, have a great day. Good morning. Good night. Whatever, whenever you're listening to this and we'll talk to you all in the next one. Bye y'all.